Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode three of the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. It's your boy here, Patrick Vincent Crown, a.k.a. PVC, the painted pro wrestler of FSW. And today we're going to continue our chat with the head honcho of Falling Star Wrestling, Mr. Jimmy Starr. In this episode, we're going to touch on the very inception of Falling Star Wrestling and how the training school began. So let's get into it. We have Jimmy on the line now, and I guess my first question would be to you is, uh, how daunting was it setting up a wrestling promotion, you know, almost a decade ago? Um, the, the the problem was was capital. It was it was daunting because I knew that I only really had sort of one shot. Like it, it was, I roughly done some maths on what what it would cost to put on a show, and bearing in mind I needed to hire a ring, I need get merchandise, I needed to hire a hall, I needed wrestlers, because obviously I didn't have the school at that particular point. So I needed to hire everything and we we worked out that there wasn't much breathing space. There was, you know, maybe leave us a little bit of money over if if we if we failed, if we did our bollocks sort of thing and no one turned up. The biggest mistake I made was the first one was the location I put on in Huntington. But we worked really, really hard. I never understand why that didn't draw. I think it was probably because it was a promotion that no one had ever heard of. It was just maybe just, or maybe we didn't promote that hard. I just thought we did, you know. But I remember standing out in the freezing cold for weekends, weeks and weeks beforehand, just handing out flyers and putting up posters and getting in the paper and doing things on radio and stuff like that. And um, I think we just chose the wrong show because we didn't do very well there. We only drew about 50 people. The main event was me and Bulk in a in a um, hardcore match. I remember that. You know, it was just it, it. I learned a lot from that show, but it was one of those things where the worry was was not doing well on the first show, and we didn't do well on the first show. Like it left us with pittance. So I started going in, in, in my own money very quickly. I thought I had a sort of idea of what I was doing from the summit shows, but. When it's your own money and it's it's you making the choices, I knew that I, it, it was I wasn't going to be able to do it on my own. And um, uh, I think Matt Wall was Matt wrestled on the first show. I can't remember who he wrestled. And after the first show, he said, "Look, I, I want to help you out." Like you know. So I think it was after the first show Matt got involved in falling star wrestling. So more or less instantly. But yeah, to sort of go back to your first first question, the worry was, you know, well, what am I going to do if this if, if it doesn't draw? And yeah, it, it, we lost money. That's one of the that's one of the only shows that Falling Star Wrestling has lost, you know, a lot of money on, and it was the first one. But anyway, it's a learning curve. We're still here now, but that 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 was nearly it. That first one was literally nearly it. Just fucking go in there, worked really hard, tried really hard, but yeah, just ended up doing our bollocks really. So um, you mentioned about potentially choosing the wrong venue. What other advice would you have given sort of young Jimmy Starr, you know, a decade ago when he put on his first show? Choose a venue close at home where people, where your friends are going to come see you um, and make sure they know it's your first one, make a big deal out of it. You know, if you're doing it in a local area, you're more likely to get press and stuff involved and papers and radio and things like that because they're going to have more interest. You know, local got Hunstand guy went to school at Smithton has now started up a uh, now started up a promotion and their first match is going to be at the Heacham Social Club or Linsport or wherever it was. 
So yeah, start start at a town close to where you are. Be a little bit thrifty with your uh, with your promotion. You know, like you can waste a lot of time doing the wrong kinds of promotion. I suppose what I mean by that is is nowadays I find the, the sort of postering and flyering, which I thought was like the bread and butter of, of getting your name out there, doesn't seem to work as much anymore. You know, it's a lot more about social networking. But this is ten years ago, so social networking might not have been as 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 prevalent then for. Things like this, I, I I don't know. I can't really remember. But yeah, a young Jimmy Star would have said, "Do it closer to home. Maybe keep the card a little bit cheaper." And yeah, fews or less guys just to just to try out, try put on a good show, but a show with um, less ex- less expensive talent on it. And um, yeah, just don't go too overboard on your spending. Try not to allocate your spending. Don't spend it on crap that you don't need. It also, probably another thing I would have tried to do is is with the money that I was given. Is tried to buy a bit more kit because in the in the beginning we had nothing. We had to hire everything. I literally hire everything, and it was that was the expense. The money wasn't going into Fallen Star Wrestling. It was always going into someone else's pockets, and it was very difficult to to make any kind of profit. So I remember the second show we did in Heacham. That was actually quite a good show, a good turnout, and we did make a little bit of money off that. Not enough to recoup what I'd lost, but I just realised that actually we did okay. The hall was full. But because I've rented everything, it went to someone else. So very as quickly as possible, try and get as much kit as you can as well. Try and try and sort out, you know, a ring and a van. I know it's expensive, but if you're gonna do it, you want to try and make the money for yourself, not give it to someone else, you know. Yeah, that that makes total sense. Now, in the very very first show, do you remember the first person that you approached to to be on your show? You mentioned Bulk, and you remember uh, you mentioned Matt. Uh, apart from those two guys, who 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 did you go? F- go for immediately uh, as you wanted on your show is it either a draw or you like their sort of wrestling style well it's weird it doesn't quite work like that like, I know, like it didn't quite work out like that for me like oh I'd love him to wrestle him and him to wrestle him so I'll book them basically the ring that we used was Steve Morocco's who's a wrestler who's been around a long time we used his wrestling ring and with that we just made sure he filled his van up with wrestlers so we had like Rocker Richards Kid Crazy uh, Joey Naylor and people like that down. I you always use Max. I knew he was a great talent and he was a friend and he would be there, whatever. I feel like bulk and stuff. I'd wrestled a million times by then anyway, so I knew I could have a match with him with my eyes closed and still have to plan the show and be nervous about getting making sure things were right and getting put in the right place and everyone was knew what they were doing. And then me and Mike could just sort of go out and have our sort of sim- same match, you know. Um, so it wasn't necessarily like, oh, I'm going to make sure I book this person first. It was it was sort of booking around what, what we needed. But I'd basically sort of stick to people I knew, stick to friends, and try and keep costs down by using people that came with, with, with the ring. Right. So um, how quickly do you reckon it took you to adapt to being both a wrestler and a booker and somebody that's organizing the shows without much help back in those days? Well, I show. Well, I always had Matt, which was handy. Matt was always sort of driving force on the on the IT side, the posters and getting things out online, design and the Facebook page and the websites and stuff like that. So I did never have to worry about that, and and I couldn't do it either. I don't have that kind of brain. I'm not very good with the IT stuff. 
I'm better at the on the ground stuff. I don't mind going out there in the soaking rain and putting up posters and doing flyers. And I don't mind approaching people and talking to them about booking halls and that sort of side of things. And, and I was sort of more in charge then of booking the matches and booking the talent and stuff like that. So I had a lot of help from Matt. It was it was me and Matt for a very long time. And we'd have the old person who'd float through who would sort of help us collect a little bit of money. And sometimes people from my family would do it. And before my mum got it, um, I felt my parents used to turn up to most things to help out if they could, but I mean they were pretty useless. They didn't really know what the deal was when it came to when it came to wrestling, you know. But you know they'd be on the door if I needed it. And we had Frank called Elliot who used to do the door, big lad, huge lad. We had we had a few, we had just a few people who would help out, you know. But to sort of go back a little bit, like I knew very quickly falling star wrestling started in March. I knew very very quickly that I needed a training school, something that was going to A, breed some wrestlers that I could like again and would sort of be able to work with me on my sort of vision of what I wanted Falling Star Wrestling to be. But also I could bring in a bit of income. It's a lot cheaper to put on a training school than it is to put on a show. And you need to create your own stars. So that was where the, the training school came in. I knew that, that I needed to get people who were around rather than me and Matt doing everything because you, you got you got to remember again during those first shows who was there to help with the ring or who was there to help put it back or who was there to help set up stuff and lights and things like that and it was just me and him so it was a fucking nightmare we needed help and the training school sort of provided that and in turn we provided the trainees with hopefully good training and also the opportunity to wrestle on shows in front of people and we had more hands on deck to help us out with the actual putting together of the shows I mean you don't remember what it was like in the early days just to ask you a quick question like just think back to a typical show day in Fallen Star Wrestling. What the day be like for for you guys? Um, well, I guess for me, the the very first shows that I probably worked on were the sort of the training academy shows that we had uh, down in docking. So for me, it was kind of waking up quite early in the morning, uh, jumping in a car with uh, with Connor, who uh, went on to wrestle as Khan. And uh, yeah, we, we'd, we'd turn up there on the, either the Saturday or Sunday, sometimes both actually. And um, yeah, we would get there some of us would have to go and get the ring with a van and come back with it, set it up, get everything going, put mats out, uh, you know, go through a training session. And then it was kind of that thing of waiting around, hoping that you'd be, it's kind of that thing of like in football, you'd hope you'd be picked for the team. And, you know, I, I remember the the first time that you came over to me, Jimmy, and sort of said, I think, I think you're ready, Sean, uh, let's put you in the ring. And, uh, I remember my first experience thing, uh, I don't have any gear and you actually had a spare pair of black trunks in your bag and you just wear these and you know just just do what we've taught you and I just remember that being a, a, a crazy experience but like you said going on with setting up the ring making sure the hall is ready putting the chairs out uh, any flies for the next show dealing with all that back then it was all a, a very much a, a DIY thing we didn't have people to come in and do it sort of professionally so uh, we had to rely on each other and rely on um the, the talents that we had back then. Did you ever give those fucking trunks back, by the way? I don't think I did. Do, do, do you want them back? No, I don't think so now, mate. They'll be all, they'll be all fucking uh, flea-ridden and fucked up. Plus, I, uh, I've i never worn trunks in my life. My belly would hang over them. 
<laughs> right. Like it was hard work because we, we didn't, it wasn't like now where we had all our own equipment. We had to hire it. And sometimes you'd have to go and get the van or whatever and take it back the next day. It wasn't just like turn up, wrestle and leave. We all worked really hard back in those days. And I, I remember them fondly. They were fun. It was, it was a good time. But yeah, that's what I needed. And that's why I sort of started up the school. That's the sort of early days of Falling Star. Also, I wanted somewhere for people who were talented and wanted to be wrestlers. I wanted somewhere for them to go and realize that they'd be treated with a little bit of respect. I probably got a little bit softer in my old age with some of the guys who I train now. But I don't think even, and again, this is another question to you, I don't think at the training school there was ever a, a bad atmosphere. I'd push people, but I'd never rip into them like fuck or hurt them. Or, you know, I think I'd always make sure I kept things fairly safe. Yeah, I can vouch for that. I, I've never really felt unsafe doing a, a wrestling seminar or a wrestling training session with yourself. You know, there, there are people that you may clash heads with, but I, I think we can always say, you know, you, you've always been very level-headed. If there's ever been any kind of confrontation that needed to needed to happen, you, you, you were the leader of that locker room, the leader of that training session. I think people people respected that back then and still do. I hope so. I mean, I don't know. The trainees have got a lot younger now. I mean, back in the day, we had some really good guys who I wish were were still with us because I think that, especially like you mentioned earlier on, you mentioned uh, Connor, who some people remember as Khan. He was great. He was superb. But hopefully, maybe we can get him on for a podcast one day to talk about it. But I think his own his his own mentality was the thing that screwed him over. He he analysed everything so much and he put so much into it, which is a good thing in some ways. But it just tortured him. I don't know. I don't think in the end he could cope with it. He was always so nervous that in in the end the nerves and the sort of the the mental instability of it. Well, I just don't think it was worth it for him in the end. But if he had hung around. I really do think that him and Mike were a fucking great tag team. And I think that he could have really gone on and done something good. Um, You've had quite a lot of people come through the FSW Training Academy. Um, Can you just highlight a couple of people that have maybe come and gone or that are still sticking around nowadays? Um, so with me from the beginning was, was Kenny Mack. He was always a touch mouthy, but he always put his heart and soul into everything. And believe me, when he first started, he was a drizzling shit. But he, he, he got he got good quite quick. Furio, when he came in, he had an amazing attitude because he, his background was martial arts and his fitness w- was there. He picked up on the rolls and the bumps and everything really quickly. He was athletically a natural. Um, very shy, though. Very shy. So... The Furio character was something that kept him from having to talk, which I think was his sort of, he knew that that was going to be his weak point. So he didn't really care for the promos, but athletically and physically, he was he was really gifted when he first came in. Connor, the rest of his car, like I said, obviously he doesn't, not to be fair to him, he doesn't look like he's going to be good. But I was amazed with two things with Connor. One, the effort he put into everything. Like when we used to do our warm ups, he would be virtually dying at the end of them. But he'd get through them. He'd get through the warm ups no matter what. Even if we'd be sitting there fucking clapping him, cheering him on, even if everyone had finished, we he would get it done. He wouldn't cheat. He wouldn't give himself an inch. He made himself do it to the point where he was doing it piece to piece, same as everyone else. But his actual wrestling ability was good. And he could morph into his Khan character really early, really quickly. He seemed to be able to switch with a click of the finger. Some people can do that. Some people, it takes them a little while to G themselves up to get into character. And they find it really hard in training to become the character that they eventually become during a show. But Connor was really good. He could just literally switch into his character. 
And I always found it really, really impressive. The fact, he did that during training. He never half-assed anything. And that's why he got so good. When you came through the doors, you know, instantly, athletically, I see that, that you could do it. There was going to be no problem training you athletically. You had some good, good personality with you as well. You were sort of one of the one of the naturals who came through. So you were always a pleasure to teach and you're a nice guy as well. Kept quiet and just sort of did what you were told. The only thing you did do was piss off for about two years, which annoyed me. <laughs> Hope you wouldn't yeah. mention that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, other than that, <laughs> yeah, we had Sarah who wrestled as Lola towards the end, but she had a really bad injury on her knees. So I don't know if she'll ever wrestle again. I don't know if she will, but hopefully we'll see her in fullness of wrestling in some capacity. We had Paul who used to wrestle as Mitch Bash. Now, Paul was a weird one because until he found that Mitch Basher gimmick, he was totally lost. His wrestling wasn't particularly up to scratch. His look definitely wasn't. But he tried, he tried, and he tried, and he tried, and he tried a million different gimmicks. I remember he tried to do this reverend thing once, and it was so bad. <laughs> um, and he tried other things, and it just, none of it worked. It was just fucking terrible. But then when the Mitch Basher thing came along, for some reason he just took to it, and that was the one thing that, that, that sort of led him on to be one of the biggest heels, if not the biggest, in Fallen Star because he had something to sink his teeth into and whoever he was tagging with whether it had been Robbie Reed again who was a pleasure to teach you know he, he he was he was a sort of bit of a natural athlete and he was fit as well because he was in the RAF they did lots of drills and, and shit like that so he was he was pretty fit again sometimes just struggled a little bit with storytelling side struggled a little bit with the facial side getting people to hate him or sympathise with him whatever whatever he was trying to do so Robbie had a little bit of trouble with that, but he was he was real good. And then when uh, Dibs came in and did the Crowley gimmick again, just a gimmick to sink his teeth into that just sort of worked for him. And then the wrestling just followed. It, it naturally became better. Uh, and Jack Hammer, who started with us when he was 10 years old, 10 years old, we had a little youth academy. It didn't last very long, but Jack was one of the young lads to come out of that. And Jack, honestly, when he first came through the door, he could barely put one foot in front of the other. And that's not me being nasty. That's just me telling the truth. He's turned from a young boy into, and he's now turning into a grown man. And he's so athletically gifted. He's one of the people in Falling Star who has got such potential to do anything he wants. He's got the world at his feet. And the thing is, he knows that as well. He knows that all he ever wanted to be and all he ever wants to be is a professional wrestler. And I think, I pray he can, I think he can cope with the lifestyle of what becoming a wrestler is. I mean, it's not just about wrestling, it's about traveling the world and going to different cultures and, and trying to make some decent coin. But if he can get that part of the business in his head, then he seriously, he's going to be, he's going to be a star. And that's why I've always felt that falling star wrestling can, can train, can train anyone because Jack got to where he is today through hard work and determination and a little bit of knowledge from from everyone at Falling Star and, and from myself who was running the classes. But it was his determination that got him to where he is now. For a 15, 16-year-old boy, I think he's just turned 16, for a 16-year-old boy, he's got six years of experience behind him. God knows how many matches. He's wrestled with other promotions. He's wrestled with some great guys. He's had some good opportunities and everywhere he goes, people random rave about him. So he's one I'm really proud of too. Um, uh, Craig, Jaden, Scar, you know, he was always a, a, a natural. And to be honest with you, 
And I think I've told him this. I didn't really like him when he walked through the door. He's not like, <laughs> I, thought he was, I thought he was going to be at hard work, but he wasn't. He was fucking sound. He's been sound from the damn man to, to the end. So that was bad by me because that was a preconceived notion. And I and I, I love him to pieces now. I think he's a great guy and I think he's got a great potential. And another thing that, that about him was he totally destroyed his knee in a, a training show totally destroyed his knee just doing something simple like a leapfrog or a jump or something like that just doing something simple completely destroyed ligaments in his leg i think he tore i think he tore two out of the three or he might even have tore, uh, torn all three ligaments in his leg his knee and that would have put a year of 18 months ago before before he did that injury that would have put put him totally out of wrestling but they before then i think knee surgeries had come on leaps and bounds so they did some keel surgery on him and bang and I have to say, before that injury, he would come occasionally and wrestle and he would sort of, sometimes he'd train hard, sometimes he'd fuck it up. After his knee operation, that was when he turned into Jaden Scar, that intensity. He just, I don't know, most people would have scared the shit out of him, they wouldn't have come back again. But as the minute, the minute he could come back, he was back. And he ramped up the intensity and he worked really hard. And that's why he is where he is now in the company, because I don't give a shit what people would, would say. Maybe he's not the biggest guy. Maybe he isn't the most muscly guy or whatever, but he's got a lot of intensity and people like him. And when he's in a, in a match, there's an aura about that match, that, you know, and that comes from him. Like I just said, intensity. And that injury, which would have fucking just taken out a lot of people, made him, made him better. A few latest trainees that come out like me and the Pitbulls that sort of shared C.W. Davis, but when he first came in, I thought, fuck, awesome, because he'd just been in a, a bodybuilding competition, so he looked great. He has a lot of drive and a lot of intensity, and he's not afraid to just pick up the mantle and run with it himself. You know, He's always a pleasure to teach, but they're just a few that will come to my mind either still with us now or if they're not still with us now. I'll definitely welcome them back at any point, you know? Excellent. And um, obviously you can share, you know, you can um, hold the load all by yourself of training all of these guys all of the time. There has to be different people coming in to teach different methods and work on different areas of the business. Um, can you touch on a few of the, the guest trainees that you had back in the day and um, that maybe are still around nowadays? Yeah, well, we're very lucky, actually, with guest trainees, I think. I think in terms of guest trainees, we've probably been one of the best schools in the country. So we've had the Pitbulls teach both Mike and Dave and they're great teachers especially if you want to learn how to do any tag team stuff or wrestle bigger guys they're great teachers and Mike and Dave wrestle on and especially Mike he's wrestled on all our shows he's been a great friend of mine for years and years I've wrestled him millions of times too so you know he, he's always around and even in the locker room he's only going to take the piss so you might as well ask him a few fucking questions about <laughs> wrestling so, you know, we've had Madman Manson to do some character stuff and his seminars are fantastic. They're funny, but not only are they hugely funny, they're really engaging. And if you are nervous about character stuff, he, he can really bring you out of your shell. And I, I don't think I've ever seen anyone who's been able to do that as well as him, just bring someone out of their shell and, and, and find that, that skill and that character in someone who just is just convinced they don't have any. So he's been really good. We've had Nick Aldis, which has been great because we started together, we sort of kept in communication with him over the years. So when he's back, if he can help with the seminar, he's done a few. He's been around quite a bit, which is obviously even the level of stardom he achieved. It's fantastic for the trainees. Uh, Mickey James 
probably the biggest one who's done a few seminars, turned up to a few Wednesday classes, just unannounced, just turned up with Nick. I mean, where the fuck do you get that? Nicky James just wandering through the door and teaching the girls some stuff. But we've also done a proper seminar with uh, Joseph Connors. That was awesome. I think he'd just been signed. So that was great. Just gave the guys some knowledge about what the WWE are after and do some, they do some drills and stuff that WWE do and he has to do. And we've had Danny Collins wrestling wise. I don't think there's a better seminar than Danny Collins. Um, I'm a bit biased because I, I love him to pieces. Not easy, a great friend, but he's also an exceptional teacher. He, he can teach you some cool shit. Um, that not a lot of people teach anymore because that bygone era has sort of been lost. But he started really young. He's been all around the world. He knows loads of different styles. And even though he's in his early 50s, he's still in good nick enough to be able to teach it. I mean, he was resting up until a couple of years ago. Um, and that is only about a bad health that stopped him. So whether he comes back again or not, I don't know. So people like Danny Collins have come down. Johnny Storm. Sorry if I could I forget Johnny Storm. He's a good, really good friend of mine too. And if you want someone to teach you how to fly, then he, he's a guy to do it. And he also gives people confidence because, again, people who think I could never fucking do that in a million years. He teaches you the proper way and he teaches you things step by step and you end up doing things you never think you'd be able to do. And that's, again, what I like to see. You know, I like to see people grow and the look in their eyes when they just landed a fucking weird backflip move or a weird arm drag move or something like that. And they look in their eyes of just fucking pure, like, you know, adrenaline that they've, that they've accomplished. It. So, you know, we've had a lot of awesome guest trainees who all have been able to cover different spectrums of wrestling, from wrestling big guys to tag guys to psychology to lightweights to wrestling to old school wrestling to strikes to anything, you know. And I've always tried to get people in who are different and can give all of the trainees a totally different perspective on the wrestling business because all that ends up happening is if I teach someone, everyone's going to end up wrestling like me and having my ethos and that are going to make, no, it's not going to make for a very entertaining show. So we've been really, really lucky. And Marty Scale early on, before he got really big, he came down and did some training with us. I think compared to a lot of wrestling schools in, in this country, and I hope you would agree that that's a hell of a list of talent. Yeah, most definitely. If if I think of, you know, the, the PVC character right now, it was born from people like that. It was born from Jimmy Starr's kind of psychology. It was born from Madman Manson's ability to harness a character. It was born from Johnny Storm, you know, just trying new things and trying to add that little bit of flair and athleticism. And it was born from from Danny Collins, just, you know, just uh, stick your moves in and, and make them look legitimate and have the crowd believe you. So, yeah, I can't attest to the, the, the school more than that, you know. You know, wrestling's got so many little nooks and crannies and crevices to it, psychology-wise, move-wise, you know, how to tell a story. People have got their own their own ideas and their, and their own sort of niches and their own ways to, to, to put a wrestling match together. You're never, ever, ever going to be perfect at it. There's not one person you can point at and you can say, oh, that's the perfect wrestler, even if they're even someone like Shawn Michaels. You know, you can't point to someone and say, that's the perfect wrestler. You can say, that's my favorite wrestler. You can't say that's my perfect wrestler. And he wrestles totally different to someone like Hulk Hogan, who, you know, someone might say, that's my favorite wrestler. You know, this business is about picking and choosing, not just move-wise, but psychology-wise, picking and choosing from the best. And if you can get some good guys to come in and teach you, like Fallen Star Wrestling has, 
and you can get that amalgamation of knowledge from these fantastic wrestlers that have walked through the door and we've had the honour to learn you're going to get good quickly and you're going to and you're going to take a lot away from there you know now just before we sort of wrap things up uh, there's still training ongoing can you talk just uh, sort of briefly about what's happening right now in FSW uh, well at the moment we're all a bit fucked aren't we because we're stuck in door <laughs> But before this all kicks off and after it, you know, when it starts back up again, I'm going to want everyone, like basically when they get back, to get back, you know, everyone, not just the trainees, but everyone to, to get a few sessions in before we start putting shows on to blast that rust off for their safety. And also we want to be, we want to be ready again. Unfortunately, with wrestling, the only real training for wrestling is wrestling. I don't want to see a slip in standard because falling star wrestling actually at the moment behind the scenes, we've got a really good setup a totally different setup to the way it was so we've got more of a chance now to to start getting a little bit you know a little bit bigger and i want the right people who show the right amount of dedication and worked hard to 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 benefit from that you know that's the future for falling star wrestling and the and the academy it's just to to reward the people that work really hard let's let's grow let's let's get bigger fuck it there's no reason we can't Coming up to 10 years now, there's no reason why we can't make a, 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 our stamp on British wrestling because we're a fucking good promotion and, and we've got some really good shows. You know, that's what I want. I want more eyes on the product. There we have it. Another episode in the bag. Episode three of the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to follow us on the Instagram and Facebook, it's at Falling Star Wrestling. You can check out the details of our Falling Star Wrestling Academy. And if you'd like to join and be a pro wrestler, you can do so at Falling Star Wrestling. If you'd like to follow me, PVC, on the IG and the FB, it's at PVC Pro Wrestler. And we'll catch you guys again another time for episode four of the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. <laughs>